Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Warriors, warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. Welcome to the RJ Ringside Podcast, where we cover everything from MMA to boxing. But this week specifically has been very MMA heavy because the UFC has been putting on just a slew of events in Florida from Jacksonville. The Star Veterans Memorial Arena has been the home of three fight cards, or will be rather, by the time this airs, we'll have three events going down here. So I want to get into recapping what happened between Glover Teixeira and Anthony Smith. We're also going to talk about the upcoming fight here on Saturday with Walt Harris and Alistair Overeem. But first, I want to remind everybody to check out this podcast and subscribe wherever you're listening. Check it out on ReviewJournal.com slash podcast. Follow us both on social. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, at Heidi Fang. And for our MMA writer at Adam Hill LVRJ, who also put up a great article about his first person uh, view of what went down and experience in Jacksonville. Really great piece there. Check that out on ReviewJournal.com as well. And all of the other great things that Adam Hill's putting up. And we are brought to you by BetOnline.ag. So Adam, obviously we have to start right off the top here, getting into the big controversy of what happened last night between Glover Teixeira and Anthony Smith. First of all, brilliant performance by Glover Teixeira. I wish though, however, he would not have tried to win the grappling championship of the evening by, it, it would seem like you know he would get Smith into these positions he knocked him down then he would just mount him and then he was pounding him out a little bit then he would go for a submission then he'd pound him out a little bit and go for a submission it was like ongoing torture I think for Anthony Smith who could not improve his position at one point he's reportedly handing his teeth to the referee in this fight who was Jason Herzog a lot of people were calling for Herzog to call an end to this fight earlier than happened, which was in the fifth round. Uh, A lot of people called for the corner to throw in the towel for their fighter, Anthony Smith, at a point and even maybe stop it in between rounds when he was telling his corner that his teeth were falling out. Now, a lot of people were saying they were veneers, but in a text that I saw uh, that was tweeted out by Ariel Helwani, he said that he had spoke with Anthony Smith and that they were, in fact, real teeth. So um, just, you know, whether they were veneers, whether they were fake, that does have a little bit of a difference. But just overall, when you look at what happened and how Anthony Smith was composed from about the third round on, he was just going down uh, farther and farther away from being, I think, intelligently defending himself from being able to put up a good fight. And it was just sad to watch, I think, towards the end, a little bit of a drawn out finish. And finally it gets called in the fifth by Herzog. But did you think that this was egregious in letting the fight go on and that it should have been stopped a lot sooner? 
Yeah, I, I don't think I was comfortable uh, with with watching it and where it was. I I think uh, to me, you know, it's there's two layers of safety uh, that are put in place to try to uh, make sure that fighters, you know, are kind of saved from themselves. And one is the referee, and one is the corner. And uh, I think I can kind of I can kind of understand from both perspectives. I mean, Anthony Smith talked about it last night a little bit that you know from his hospital bed, sadly, uh, that. You know, every time Jason Herzog, the referee, told him, "Hey, you got to show me this, or you got to do this, or you got to improve your position, or whatever," he would tell him. Anthony Smith would answer, and so that's why Smith said, "Listen, it's it's you know, if he's if he's giving me instructions and saying, hey, I need to see this, and I'm doing it, I understand why he's letting it continue. Um, I get that, but at the same time, it just it just seemed like it had gone." way too long and then you know everybody mentions the corner as well which I, I think is completely fair um it's just it's the culture to me of, of mma right now it's it's where you know there's a lot of guys that don't want to have their corner do that they don't want to be uh looked at as as quitters but that's why your corner has to make those decisions for you and uh, i know that some corners are scared of what their fighters will say or, or how they'll react to that but at the same time like i i don't think in retrospect, anybody would have had a problem today um, if their corner, if his corner had done that. And I don't think Anthony Smith, if he went back and watched it, would be able to have a problem with it. Uh, it it's just it was not, it was not comfortable to watch, and I think that's what everybody is kind of looking at now. Uh, I think you know both both Herzog and the corner could take some blame, but I, at the same time, I don't think either one deserves all the blame in the world. I, I think the, the corner is looking at it saying. Hey, like the the next round is starting from the feet. He's got a chance to go out there and try to throw some big shot. I mean, if you look at the beginning of both the the fourth and fifth round, when I think a lot of people thought it shouldn't be going on anymore, Smith had like a little bit of offense. You're like, what? No, okay, he's back on his back. I, I think once he was back on his back in the fourth round, might have been a good time. And then certainly once it was in the fifth round, we knew it was going to happen. It was just, it's not great, and it's something that I think there needs to be more discussions about. Uh, going forward, and just you just you know you just thank every thank you know whatever that Anthony Smith is is okay and was able to talk about it last night. It's interesting, you know. You say that you know these levels of protection are in place. I remember speaking to Jim Miller back in um, 2016, right before the UFC 205 card in New York happened, the first one there. And one of the things I had said to him was, I think what fans love about you is that you're a guy that's willing to go out on your shield. And he's like, wow, I don't really want to be remembered like that. <laughs> and it's just like, But he is. He's one of those fighters that, you know, he puts it all out there on the line. And that's true with every fighter. None of the fighters ever want to have the towel thrown in or calling into the fight because most of the time, a lot of them feel like they could have done something. They could have fight back. They could have, you know, kept themselves in the game somehow. And that's just part of, like you said, what it's like to be a fighter that's what the whole persona is of these fighters and just exactly just kind of resonating here and echoing what you said that that's what the corners are there for and i just feel like it's negligence on their part even you know a lot of other fighters uh said to me well you know a corner knows their fighter a corner knows what the fighter is capable of and what they want to do and what their idea is going into this fight and trying to be able to come out and maybe they get that 
punch in there that's going to turn the tides for them. But I just think that in this case, this was a definite case where we needed to see something from the corner. And I'll always think of Nate Diaz when I think of talks about throwing in towels and what have you, because um, his brother Nick was doing it for him at one point before, uh, right, kind of right as the, the fight was being called and Nick was throwing in a towel and a lot of people afterward asked Nate about that. And he said, well, don't you guys have people that care about you? Don't you have anyone that loves you that that thinks of your best interest in mind? Nate wasn't upset with that at all. I think, you know, he was kind of saying like that, that's what should be happening in those cases. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, this is a, a case where, you know, we all wanted to see this end a lot earlier than it did. And like you said, the best word I think for it is just uncomfortable. It, it was very uncomfortable to watch. Um, not the kind of way you want to see someone like Anthony Smith, who has a ton of potential, who's a great guy to talk to. You know, he's always a pleasant person uh, going through these processes of interviews and things like that. Always willing to talk about his stories and just the things that he had gone through beforehand. Um with the home invasion that had happened before this fight, I'm pretty sure, you know, that's not how he wanted to go out on, on the big stage. And then to have John Jones, who deleted a tweet later on, um, made some sort of a, a kind of tweet that really upset Glover to share when he was asked about it in the post. Uh, Adam, did you see John Jones's actual tweet before it was deleted? And what did you think about him putting that out there after the fight had happened between Glover and Smith? I think it was a good thing this guy didn't want your TV. Like, basically, yeah, 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 if Glover yeah, Teixeira yeah. had gone in, he would have been able to easily take Anthony Smith's TV. Um, yeah. In reference to the the home invasion that Anthony Smith fought off uh, about a month ago. Yeah, I mean, Glover Teixeira got very worked up about it. And, and when I say that, I don't know how many people got, actually got to hear what he said, but he's like the nicest, quietest dude ever. And he's like, Basically, that's not a very nice thing to say. Like, okay, that's that's very fired up for Glover Teixeira. Um, but yeah, you you I think you cursed twice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, but yeah, that's it's a t- it's a typical John Jones move. And uh, I said it's yeah, I know people weren't happy with it. It's it's probably tasteless on some level, but it's John Jones and, and at his best, and it's what he does, and he gets people worked up and angry and. And then deletes it, and then makes a joke about deleting it. Like that's just what we've seen from John Jones for forever, and it's why I think he should be he should be much more embracing of the heel role, and not always try to go in another direction because he's good at it, and he just doesn't fully commit to it. Yeah, that's what always just driven me crazy. It's like after the the first time he tried to go heel, and then at the end he's like, "Oh no, I didn't mean it." No, just just do what you're gonna do, and like we're starting to see that more and more. I think as quarantine to John Jones uh, starts letting uh, go here a little bit more on Twitter, I think now he's trying to call out Francis Ngannou, <laughs> saying yeah. that he has nothing else to prove at light heavyweight. I'd love that big money fight right around now. Send the deal. So uh, that would be an interesting way uh, to go into the heavyweight division, taking on a guy that nobody wants to fight, that the people who call him out end up regretting it. Uh, is this a fight that you think will happen? Man, I don't know. I, I, I mean, there, you know, John Jones seems like he's kind of serious about it, the way he's talking about it even even this morning. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to do it in the in the moment after the fights, and then another thing today, he, he says that Francis Ngannou is – uh, very slow in his punches, even though he throws haymakers and there's a lot of power. And if he hits Jones with one of them, he's probably in trouble. But he said he throws them too slow and he's susceptible in other ways. I just think 
that's a big step up. I, I I don't know if that's the first fight I'd take at heavyweight if I'm John Jones, but you know, John Jones is a different level. And so uh, I think there'll be interest in the fight. I think people would want to see it, uh, but you know, we'll see what they do. I, I, I felt like uh, the UFC seems like they're kind of positioning for Jones uh, Blahoyich as uh, a fight at light heavyweight, but uh, they can do this one. It just seems it, it's another fight that seems like you'd probably want to do it with fans. Uh, I don't think, I don't know how many, how many of these major fights they want to do before they can have fans back in the building. Yeah. All right. So the heavyweight main co-main event here in this fight card was um, an interesting one between Rothwell and Ovin St. Pru. Uh, this one went the distance, a split decision in favor of Rothwell. Um, I think that was the right call in the fight, but yeah, Ovin St. Pru didn't look like the Ovin St. Pru that I think we're used to seeing at light heavyweight. How much do you think that him going up to heavyweight had an effect on his body kind of being slower and, and not as fast and going up against somebody who's been doing it a long time here at heavyweight and Ben Rothwell. What did you make of uh, Ovin St. Prue's performance here? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that he, you know, got a little bit of a, uh, a, a rude welcome to the heavyweight division, I guess, if you, if you want to say that. I think he looked dangerous at times. He, he got a knockdown, was very late in the second round. Um, and he still looked even dangerous at the end of the fight. There were some there were some good moments in the third round for him. I thought early in the fight he was a little bit um, a little bit hesitant, a little bit uh, you know taken aback by taking a couple shots and saying like, okay, this is kind of a different level uh, when you're fighting these heavyweights. Uh, you know, you, you you have to be a little bit more cautious uh, at times of of what's coming back at you. And I thought he adjusted to that a little bit and and had some more success, was more comfortable as the fight went on. So I'd like to see him. Uh, in the next fight, if he wants to stay at heavyweight, I like to see you know kind of where he kind of settles into his level and and figures it out a little bit more because I, I thought you know the first round he was a little bit worried about that stuff and, uh, and I think the shots affected him a little bit and then after he settled in, I said okay maybe maybe this is something that could work out for him but uh, you got to see that in his next fight and how how much different he looks and how much more comfortable he looks going into it and whether he decides to either put on a little bit more weight or. Uh, coming a little bit lighter and trying to take advantage of that speed, I think you got to kind of make that decision when you move from light heavyweight to heavyweight. Was there anyone here that you were most impressed by on this fight card, Adam? I mean, for me, I really was impressed with a couple guys in, in their fights here, and that being uh, Ricky Simone as well as Drew Dober were a couple of fighters that really uh, showed out, I think, last night with uh, the fight card there, UFC Fight Night 171. Who stood out to you, and uh, how do you think it would set the stage up for them for their next fight, depending on who you choose? Yeah, I mean, I think Drew Dober is the one that a lot of people had circled. You mentioned him. I think a lot of people after the fight were mentioning him. I, I certainly thought he stood out. And I think uh, the other side of that is that Alexander Hernandez looked pretty good uh, for a lot of the fight as well. It just, I think it was two really good uh, lightweights. And they're not really prospects necessarily because they are a little bit older. But um, mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's guys that have a, a pretty good future uh, in the division. And, and like Drew Dober is a very talented guy who's been around for a while. But He's just kind of finding himself a little bit. Uh, certainly the the training uh, with Justin Gaethje seems to be helping uh, quite a bit as well. He's, he's looking more and more comfortable and confident. Uh, he's a guy who's ready for a big kind of step up. I, I think he's um, you know going to be excited to to get into those rankings and move up a little bit and then uh, you know really take his shot at somebody like you know borderline top ten guy and uh, see what he's got there. And I think Drew Dober is going to be excited to take that next step and 
I think the UFC wants to see him there. So that's a guy uh, that I think really benefits coming out of this card. Um, I also, you know, I think Cjar Eubanks is somebody that you know there's some there was some controversy around her coming in after the Ultimate Fighter and you know not taking advantage of that opportunity uh, to the fullest extent, and then all of a sudden she started to really find herself a little bit. And I thought uh, I thought that was a pretty solid performance uh, last night where you start to say, okay, like she, she's definitely getting comfortable in that division and uh, trying to work her way up now that she's, um, you know, found kind of the right spot for herself uh, at bantamweight, maybe instead of 25. So uh, I, th- I thought she looked pretty good last night. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we actually have an interview with Eric Anders this morning, a part of the UFC's virtual media day. And he's going to talk a little bit about his upcoming fight and also about someone in the main event. So stay tuned right here on the RJ Ringside podcast. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Welcome back to the RJ Ringside Podcast. It's Heidi Fang here with Adam Hill. We're breaking down all things happening with the UFC from Jacksonville, Florida. Adam's back in Las Vegas. It, again, one of the best things that I read this week was his uh, first-person account of being down in Jacksonville and going through the experience of how everything is unfolding in light of the coronavirus pandemic and the UFC putting on these fights. So go check that out at ReviewJournal.com. But first, before we start getting into to breaking down this fight, a heavyweight bout between Alistair Overeem and um, Walt Harris that will be coming up on Saturday. Uh, Eric Anders is somebody who will also be competing on this card, and I wanted to get a little bit into what he had to say about training with Walt Harris and how Walt Harris was such an inspiration to him because, as we all know, it tragically, uh, Walt Harris lost his stepdaughter, Anaya, and uh, he has uh, tried to make many comebacks here to the fight game since having that loss, but he's had postponements, things have come up. So he's finally coming back into the cage on Saturday here, May 16th, and facing Alistair Overeem. But this is Eric Anders talking about what Walt Harris has meant to his career. You know, we train at the same gym, so I always get to work with him. So uh, this is the first time since like 2012 that uh, him and I have, been on the same car. I think I was still an amateur um, the last time that we fought together. So, you know, I think this fight, you know, on top of everything else that happened and is going into this fight is a little bit extra special for, for at least myself and I'm, I'm sure Walt as well. And I think stylistically, this fight with Jocko, very action-packed. I think both of you guys will probably end up staying on the feet. How do you envision the fight playing out? Because, uh, you know, obviously both of you are very experienced in the octagon. Um... No, he, I don't think he likes the pressure too much. And, you know, that's like the only thing that I do like really well is, is move forward and pressure and fight with a lot of toughness and grit. So, um, yeah, I is just to move forward, make him uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, just over time, just, you know, just watch him know. 
And last one, uh, I saw that TikTok video, you playing uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots with Walt Harris. How much money did you lose? Oh, man, he took all my money. He took every penny, man. You know, um, superheated game. I almost uh, you know, snatched my money off the table and made a run for it. But then I was like, man, that's Walt. Uh, he gets his hands on me. After taking some money from him, it's not going to be too good for me. So I took my loss like a man and... Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the rematch after these fights. Hey, Eric. Uh, just hoping to get you to elaborate on something you just said to James. You know, you're talking about sharing the card with Wald and the impact that he's had on your career. Can you can you just expand a little bit on what he's meant to you as a training partner and what kind of impact he's had on you as a fighter? Yeah, you know, Wald was my introduction to MMA. The very first day I walked into it, uh, an MMA gym. I've been doing a little jiu-jitsu uh, elsewhere, but you know, I thought that, uh, you know, maybe I want to fight, you know. So I walked into the gym, uh, walked into his gym at the time, and, uh, you know, um, his coach at the time, you know, very non-competent uh, corner, you know, he just walks up to me and he's like, hey, uh, can you fight? Just like every other bozo on the street, you know. Uh, I grew up fighting, you know, gritty guy, tough guy, you know, not skilled at all, just, you know, Broken up, you know, that's just how it is, you know. And then uh, I was like, yeah, I can fight. And he's like, okay, cool. He handed me a pair of boxing gloves. I don't even think I had a mouthpiece. He's like, go ahead and get in the ring. All right, cool. I get in there, and then Walt gets in there. And uh, man, I knew who Walt was, but I didn't know Walt like that. Uh, we just had a mutual friend, so, you know, they arranged for me to go to the gym. And uh, you know, I showed up, and... He was my first experience with, with MMA. And, uh, now, needless to say, a five-minute round, you know, five, four minutes and 57 seconds of it, I spent the whole time, you know, in the corner, you know, getting beat up in the most. Like, he, he's, he's a gentle giant, man. He really is. He's got a heart, you know, a giant heart. So in the most, you know, uh, in the nicest way possible, uh, he beat me up. And, uh, and I just fell in love with the sport right then and there. You know, I just felt like there was a whole new skill set that I had to learn. You know, I, I just felt it would be a lot funner to be on the other side, you know, to be on the giving and the receiving side of those things. So, um, yeah, I don't think if I have that experience, I don't think that, uh, you know, I have an MMA career. Listening to you talk, he's obviously somebody that, uh, you know, means a lot to you in your career. And, and how important is it to you to – or, or – how important do you feel it is for you to be able to, to go out there and, and set the stage, especially, uh, you know, given what this night means and everything that he's gone through? Uh, you know, it's super important. You know, every, you know, every fight is, you know, I, I try not to put like more emphasis on one fight than the other because every fight I feel like is just as important as the last one. This last one was what got you to where you are now. And this one's going to get you to where you're trying to go. So, um, but, um, you know, having him, you know, here, having him get ready, push, kind of push you to that next level. Because he is, you know, highly, highly, highly skilled, uh, especially on feet. You know, definitely has the fastest hands. You know, I think from the middleweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight division, I don't think anybody has faster hands than he does. So, you know, to uh, as he's honing in and, and you know, dialing these things in, getting ready and, for a fight himself, you know, it just makes me that much sharper and much more prepared. Nolan said there with, with Walt, I mean, I kind of feel like the entire world, 
the world is rooting for Walt this weekend, you know, with everything he's gone through. But how do you how do you manage those emotions as his teammate and for yourself? Because there's no way to deny this is going to be an emotionally charged fight for him, and it kind of bleeds over to you as well as his friend, his teammate. Like, how do you how do you how do you deal with that emotion? Do you use it? Do you, do you not want to think about it? Like, how do you deal with that? I'm, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of hard to, to you know to ignore the elephant in the room. You know, everybody knows what happened. Everybody. Everybody knows, you know, but, you know, I, I would say that, you know, him being in the gym, I think, um, you know, when he's in the gym, he's one of the guys, man, you know, we make fun of him, we talk trash, and, you know, there's a lot of camaraderie that goes into this, into this so, you know, we all kind of took that hit, and, uh, you know, his daughter has babysat my children before, so, you know, it, uh, it's a little personal for everybody in the gym, and uh, I, I think the, the camaraderie and you know, being around the fellas and, and coaches and, and training, you know, kind of helps get your mind off those things. And, uh, you know, there's no telling what the emotions are going to be like on fight night. Um, but I think right now everybody's focused, dialed in, and uh, on the things that they need to be focused and dialed in on. Um, but, you know, I think it would be very ignorant of me to say that on fight night, um, you know, the emotions might be a little bit different. But, um you know, we're not there yet, so I can't tell you how he's going to feel or how I'm going to feel. Uh, so, uh, but right now, I think everything is, you know, you know calm, cool, collected, and uh, a couple of assassins can go out there and you know, put in work on Saturday. Again, that was Eric Anders, and he'll be fighting Christoph Joko coming up at UFC Fight Night. Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris this Saturday, May 16th. So this will be a middleweight bout for him. The former linebacker from the Crimson Tide, Alabama. Uh, You know, Adam, he's somebody now that's kind of been in the fight game, which... Like you were talking about the Drew Dobers earlier. I mean, not really a prospect anymore. He's a guy that's been with the UFC now for quite a while. Um, what have you made of Eric Anders' rise here in the UFC? And what do you make of his fight coming up against Joko? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen him kind of settle back in and, and get two wins, his last two fights, uh, trying to figure out exactly, you know, where he fits in uh, in terms of uh, the, the weight class, where he where he feels best at. Uh, he'll, you know, stick around uh, at middleweight now and, and see if if that is where he is the you know the where he feels the most comfortable in there in terms of his power, his speed, everything else, uh, kind of coming together. And uh, we saw him, you know, really rising up quite a bit early, like right away in the UFC, and he looked like a guy uh, who could really, you know, really be like that, like the next guy. And then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, maybe he's he's got a lot to learn. He had that three fight losing streak. Uh, where it just wasn't quite working out. He wasn't getting finished. Uh, some close, uh, some close fights in there. And I remember the uh, Theodore fight was very, very close. Uh, but then he, you know, I think he kind of looked and said, "Okay, I can't just do this on my athletic ability. I know that, you know, he was a football player at Alabama, so I think there's that level of confidence of, oh, my athleticism is going to be enough. Uh, my raw talent is going to be enough to, uh, you know, to beat a bunch of these guys. And it's just, it's not the case always. So. Uh, I think he had to go back to the drawing board a little bit and start to figure things out. And it looks like he kind of has. So I'm interested to see how he does uh, in this fight and how he continues to uh, to push forward. And you're right. We still look at him as a guy. Oh, he's still kind of new in the game. He's still learning. But he's 33. So, you know, he's not he's not really a prospect. Just kind of like Drew Dober, everybody's kind of, you know, looking at now as he's merging. And they're like, wait, he's been around forever, and he's 31 years old. So, uh, yeah, Eric Anders, 33. So doesn't have, like, 
a whole lot of wear and tear on him fight wise necessarily. I think he's only seventeen fights, uh, if I remember correctly. So, um, yeah, he's still he's still learning. He's still so, somewhat young in the game, but not a young man. And uh, I think for him, it's time to kind of you know take that take that next step, or um, you know maybe he won't get there. Yeah, we've seen a lot of football players come into the UFC, and I think of the ones that we have seen in the past, aside, I, I guess you can count Brock Lesnar there. Um, he was part of the Vikings, right? Uh, but uh, there was Matt Mitrione, there was uh, Brock Lesnar, Ovin St. Preux's one, uh, University of Tennessee. You know, we've seen also Greg Hardy, obviously, he competed just recently. So now Eric Anders uh, coming back in to see how these athletes transition is so interesting to me when you come from training for a sport like football that is so high octane and then coming into the UFC, which I think is also high octane, but in different kinds of ways. So curious to see how he continues to proceed here career wise with this return to middleweight, um, taking on Christoph Joko yet again. So we'll see that one coming up Saturday, but in his interview here, he talked a lot about Walt Harris and what he's meant to him as a mentor, how he helped to bring him into the fight game. And he even spoke about, about Walt Harris's daughter, Anaya, who used to babysit his own children. Um, Anders has two sons, Israel and Noah. So when you, I mean, think about the impact that this has had, not just on a guy like Walt Harris, but, um, you know, the others as well that have trained around him, that are trying to rally around him. That's definitely, I think, the main story of what we're going to see here on Saturday night between Walt Harris and Alistair Overeem is how does Walt Harris come back from such a, a hard personal tragedy? I know that he said that getting back to fighting was his way of keeping Anaya's spirit alive and also meaning for him that he was able to keep continuing and pursuing and powering forward. I mean, that's the human spirit. And it's just, I think for him, this is going to be um, a crazy, crazy experience after he's gone through, I think, a couple camps already trying to get ready for this one. And then it was uh, canceled for, you know, the, the coronavirus outbreak and then now rescheduled. Uh, what do you think, you know, this is going to be like as an experience for Walt Harris getting in there against a guy as seasoned as Alistair Overeem amid all this personal tragedy, Adam? I don't know. And I don't think you ever know until, you know, guys actually step in there. And I think you can mentally prepare yourself. You can tell yourself you're ready. You can tell yourself uh, that this is good for you and good for your healing and everything else. I, I just, I don't think you ever know until you, um, until you actually are in there and, and, you know, the lights are on and, and you start to try to perform and, you know, are you, are you ready for it? And I think you can either see, you know, those emotions kind of take over in a good way and, you know, you can channel everything into a great performance or the emotions can take over in a bad way and put you in the wrong direction. And I, I don't, you know, I think we're going to base how we feel about him fighting right now uh, on, on the result. And, and that's not really fair. I mean, I think if he comes out and has a spectacular performance, you're going to say, wow, he really channeled all that emotion. And if he, if he doesn't look great, you'll say, well, he just might, might not have been ready. And I don't know that that's fair to him. I don't know if that's, uh, if that's fair to Overeem to, you know, to just base this whole fight on, on how that's going to be. But I think that's how, that's how we're going to do it. And uh, it's only natural, I think, to, to kind of react that way. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it'd be a real tough um, thing for, for anybody to do, but he clearly thinks that this is what he needs right now and it's what's good for him. So um, I think that you're going to see the entire world cheering for him 
and it's a real tough spot for Alistair Overeem to be in as a guy who's going to look, who's looking to knock him out and kind of you know ruin this this moment for him. So I I don't know. It's 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 not going to be a fun fight to watch for me. I mean, I think it's going to be good uh, from a, a you know a fight standpoint if you just take everything else out of it, and it's going to be a fun fight to watch and a good fight to watch. But I think it's not going to be it's not going to be the most comfortable moment for a lot of people that have followed Walt Harris's career and have known him uh, for for this long to to see how that goes. I mean, you're going to feel good for him if he wins, uh, but at the same time, it's still going to be incredibly emotional. Absolutely. I couldn't have put it better myself, Adam. Uh, well, if we have to do picks, who would you take in this fight? Just objectively taking everything else out of it. I mean, that's what we do. We're, we're yeah, journalists. We go objective, but <laughs> I know. you know, uh, if you had to pick in this fight, who are you going with? I mean, I, I I'm, I'm taking Walt Harris. Um, only because I don't know why it's a, it's a good question. I just I just think there's like he's going to be this this fight has been kind of moved around a lot and this this date has been moved and he's been going through so much. But I think I think in the end like he's looking for something to channel his emotion into, uh, and I think that you know if that goes well, if 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 you're able to do that, uh, it could be a really that could be really bad news for Alistair Overeem, uh, who. You know, obviously, we know what he's accomplished. He's been an incredible fighter for so long, but um, I, I think uh, Walt Harris is probably right there with him anyway. Uh, and if if he's, you know, has the emotions on his side and, and channels them in the right direction, I think it could be a, a tough recipe for Overeem to try to overcome. And Overeem's chin, as of late, I think, has come into question on various occasions. And if you come in as fired up as a guy like Walt Harris, I think, is going to be, that spells a lot of dangers. So I just think that Walt Harris is going to come out there swinging for the fences. Uh, I think that obviously Overeem will too. I, I just gonna I'm gonna go with Harris in this one. I just think he has everything kind of behind him right now, um, mentally and all, just going in there. And I think this is gonna be his fight. So yeah, I'm gonna also go with Walt Harris. Um, looking down the card, Adam, when you see other big matchups on here, like in the co-main, I think you know Claudia G- Gadella is a big one against Angela Hill, who's been taking a ton of fights, um, and Edson Barbosa at featherweight. That's gonna be pretty interesting to see against. Dan- EJ. So um, what do you make here of like a, a few of these fights here at the top of the card? Um, anyone in particular that you're keeping your eye on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Gadelia Hill fight is uh, is intriguing. So we know that Claudia Gadella is one of the top fighters in the world. She's always right there at the top of the rankings. Uh, but, you know, she, she has to t- keep taking on all these challenges of people that, that want her spot and everybody knows what they can what they can get by beating her. Uh, and the boost that it gives them. So here's another one, Angela Hill coming around. And you're right, Angela Hill is very active. She's very busy. Um, I, I I think that you see every once in a while she delivers these spectacular performances and you think uh, she's capable of being, uh, you know, a potential future, like, top contender. And then uh, you see one where you're like, oh, that was not a great performance. I think there's a little bit too much inconsistency from her and you don't want to be inconsistent against Claudia Gadella. So uh, I think that's a, a pretty tough matchup. I think the... Ige Barbosa fight is just is a really fun one too. It's it's close to a pick'em. Uh, sportsbooks really aren't taking a side on that one. Uh, that's a that's a fun fight uh, to check out. I think that's going to be an entertaining fight uh, for a lot of people and a really close one. I, I, I I'm not sure uh, that I can make a pick in that fight because I think it's a it's a, a straight toss up. 
Yeah, and I saw Barbosa today during, you know, the media day here, the virtual media day and the weight cut. And man, he looks so different, obviously, cutting down to 145. He's a big lightweight, I always thought when I looked at a guy like him. And now to see him going down to feather, man, I mean, his cheeks are already kind of slightly sunken in. So I hope this weight coat goes well for him. I hope he's doing it the right way. Um, it's going to see be crazy to see how going down might take away, you know, some of his best assets. Uh, when you cut weight like that, you know, if, you, if you're, you might be bigger as an advantage, but you, I think will lose other things and, you know, speed or what have you when you're making that kind of cut on your body. So we'll see how that plays out for Edson Barboza, if he can uh, reinvent himself in the featherweight division or not. That one I think is going to be a very intriguing matchup, like you said. Uh, and yeah, the, the women's fight between Gadella and Hill will be definitely, I think, stylistically interesting to watch because Gadella is so good on um, the, the ground game and with her wrestling and Angela Hills always kind of struggled in those areas, though she's improved way, way, way much more than um, before she was cut from the UFC and before she you know, made a return. Um, she had struggled a lot there with the ground game, but she's come back really to improve in that area. And I think that that's going to be intriguing to see how that plays out come May 16th. But Adam, that is all the time we have here today on the RJ Ringside podcast. We will be back with you soon and recapping all of these fights that have gone down and just kind of, kind of an overall take. Uh, maybe next week we can also get Sam Gordon in here to come join us, talk some boxing and what's going on, get you an update in the boxing world. And Larry Mirror, he'll be back too soon. So uh, we uh, will be back as a team soon fully reunited here on the rj ringside podcast but for now don't forget give adam hill a follow at adam hill lvrj i'm at heidi fang check everything out that he's posting there under the mma slash ufc tab on reviewjournal.com and subscribe to this show wherever you are listening that'll do it for us here today thank you so much for listening